Sometimes in life, no matter how successful you are, how good you are at your craft, that there will be people that will hate you the entire time. And I think that a lot of female athletes, that is their reality. That is what they have to deal with every single day. A lot of phenomenal, legendary female athletes just aren't given their props, given their respect, and oftentimes disrespected. Last night, we had the crowning of a World Series champion in the Texas Rangers. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Well, a week and a half ago, we had the crowning of a WNBA champion in the Las Vegas Aces. They had as great of a season as you'll ever find in the history of the WNBA. And they just went back to back. But you know who's not going to give them any respect? They're actually going to disrespect these women. It's Clay Travis. And Clay Travis, um, if you look at him, he will define himself as a sports host, which he he, you know, that's kind of how he started. But then he kind of go, got into the whole political thing. And so I guess you can call him a conservative sports host because he's on Fox a lot. He's on a lot of different he – has, he has the Outkick. That's his, uh, his company and his website. And he has a certain brand. And that's fine. He has a certain brand. Uh, not a brand that I like. Okay? But, but to each his own. Everybody has an opportunity to create their own brand. And pump out their own messages. I'm not a fan of Barstool either. That's fine. Barstool length for me. I'm not a day port no guy. But to each his own. And they're successful at what they do. But taking shots at female athletes is something that has always bothered me. And it continues to bother me because it continues to happen. So Clay Travis, what he's done is he has put, quote, an offer out there for the WNBA champion Las Vegas Aces. He wants to put up a million dollars for the Aces to take on a state champion boys high school basketball team. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to diminish and, and, and mock and ridicule the Las Vegas Aces by saying, you know what, y'all ain't that great. We can find a high school boys team that'll beat y'all. And y'all professionals. I'll put up a million dollars. So that's what he's that's what he claims that he's willing to do. If the Aces win, they would get his money. If this unnamed boys high school team wins, the Aces would pay the high school uh, team some sort of money. So Travis goes on to say that a game like this would outdraw any W NBA game. So when he says that, on the surface, you know that he's anti-WNBA. He can't stand these women professional basketball players. And there's nothing more you need to really know about Clay Travis. For him, this is about the disrespect. Why can't some men just let women's sports exist to be fine with it? Why can't we just, why can't we look and acknowledge their greatness? And that their brand of basketball or their brand of whatever it is is different than their counterparts. The NBA is not expected to be the WNBA and vice versa. 
And I just think that we're so backwards right now in 2023 to where we just continue to want to disrespect female athletes. It is so sad to me, man. Clay Travis is part of the pro- Clay Travis is exemplary part of the problem. Yeah. Like you look at what he said. There's absolutely This is part of the course for him. Yeah. This, there's no reason for him to say this. No. There's no end game other than throwing red meat to your fan base. To the people that follow, yeah, yeah, women should play sports. They should be in the kitchen. They should be, you know, barefoot and pride. That's essentially what he's saying. If, if you're disrespecting women and their athletic abilities, yeah, ha- you know what? Have these women take on the the boys' high school team. And then you realize these are professional athletes. Professional athletes. This, but this, he doesn't respect him as that. No, he he does. Clay and that's the part that bothers me. And we we give we we put microphones in front of people, or he's created his own thing. So he's he's created uh you know a megaphone yeah. for him to just go ahead and shout down women in this way. And he's got a fan base off of that. He he, he does. He, I will say Clay Travis. As much as I don't like him, and I don't like what he stands for. He knows what he's doing in terms of marketing to his fan base. The same with Dave Portnoy and and Barstool. Not my thing. They know what they're doing. They know who their audience is. And, and Clay Travis doesn't care about offending people. It's it's all about the recognition. It, there doesn't have to be an end game for this. This is just Clay Travis being an idiot. You know, being a sexist idiot. That's that's all this. That's is. all this is. That's and, all this and, is. And it just. But at some point, when will this end? Will it ever end? No, it's it's never. You it's, think this will always be a, a, a thing? We'll always have the misogynistic, uh, sexist yes. takes where 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 people. I don't want to ever hear a woman talk sports on the radio. I don't ever want to uh, give props to women that are doing. Phenomenal. Which is also ridiculous. But, but, but by this the is way. the thing: if they're in their own lane. This is their own league. They're not bothering you, yeah. Clay. Clay. What's you, the problem? You don't go here, Clay. You don't go here. You know what would be great is to see somebody like Asia Wilson just school Clay Travis one-on-one, and then what? And then what? Is that the only way you're going to get him to, to stop barking? Clay Travis is the little chihuahua that just keeps barking, barking, barking because he wants the attention. Nobody's taken a newspaper and swatted him on the nose. But he's getting attention, though. Because That's he, what he wants. He gets platformed all over the place. I mean, he's on major networks like Fox News. I just, I, I think that the thing that bothers me so much about this is there is nothing good to be gained. Nothing. From Clay Travis. All he's doing is pushing this for may, maybe clicks or just flat out disrespect. Like, think about this the Aces playing for a million dollars. What's the upside? There's none. They're, they're, they're not money hungry like that. No, these are no, women that have great pride in themselves. They want to play a high school team. So, so, so them if they beat the high school team, then what? What? Yeah. What, 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 what? I mean, what? What does? What's the upside? Oh yeah, we beat a high school team. Yeah. I, or, or let, let's say the opposite. Let's say the high school team because it's like the best high school team in America. They mm-hmm. they end up winning a game or winning the. Yeah. the then what's the upside there? Then then you'll never hear the end of it. Clay Travis will be like, oh, yeah, women's sports is done. But it's then over. What, it's dead. This is terrible. Yeah, as I said, there's no payoff. This is a story that you're trying to create that has no payoff. This is just so nonsensical 
and such a waste of time and so disrespectful to to female athletes, girls, women. I mean, would he be saying this about Serena Williams? Would he be saying this about Venus Williams? Yeah. Didn't we learn from the Billie Jean King um, thing with um, Bobby Riggs? Didn't, Bobby we Riggs learn, yeah. didn't we learn from that? No. No, we we didn't. Yeah, I, I don't. If you don't like women's sports, fine. It's just like any other thing. If you don't like it, don't watch it. If you don't like it, don't support it. Like, just. I just hate this disrespect, th- th- man. Things can exist that you don't like. And you don't have to sit there and constantly complain about it and berate it and tear it down. If you don't like it, just ignore it because that's what adults do. Clay Travis, put on your big boy pants. Hmm. Grow up, okay? Coming up next. Go hang out with, like, uh, Gutfeld or Hannity or whoever. Coming up next. After the Texas Rangers won their title, Minnesota squarely in the spotlight. We get to that next year on The Late Show. All right, the Minnesota Vikings, they're on the clock. And when I say the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock, I'm not saying that the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock as in this coming year's NFL draft. Um, They are on the clock because the Texas Rangers, they won a championship last night. They won the World Series. And so with that being said, uh, the Rangers no longer on the clock. The Minnesota Vikings are the longest-running North American team from the big four sports without a championship. And now we are all officially depressed. Let's go ahead and say it, that here in Minnesota, we're on the struggle bus. We've been struggling for quite some time. I think we created the struggle bus. Well, this is the deal. The downside to this is... As Minnesotans mm-hmm. that love our team and we love the purple, it's a way of life. Like, we understand it. We've been there, done that. Um, it's not anything that we feel good about. We're frustrated by it. But the um, the reality is it is what it is. Okay? That's the reality. It is what it is. But the upside is pretty simple. If in our lifetime, anybody that's listening to this show and you and I, if in our lifetime the Minnesota Vikings win a Super Bowl, that might end up being the greatest day ever. Do you know what the joy and excitement is going to feel like with that? And I got to be honest with you, I was well on our, I was well on my way to thinking that we were going to the Super Bowl when, when we were going to the Super Bowl in my in my mind in '98 or 09? no 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 in my mind when in they were mind. going okay. just a few years ago yeah. with the Philadelphia game. After they had the miracle, I knew it was our year. I said, destiny, it's, it's happening. It's here. And then we went to Philadelphia and got mollywopped. We got slaughtered. We got just pushed around. And I thought we had the best deal. And it was Nick Foles. <laughs> That's the thing. It like, was Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. He couldn't uh, lose. No, he. It, it was weird because Carson Wentz goes down and you're like, man, okay, you know, Nick Foles played – you know, okay in his stead, and then you're like, oh, yeah, championship game, defense, you're going to be fine, and then Nick Foles goes out there and bing, bang, boom, yeah, that's that's it. But but do you, do you think that when we look at 
this reality now, do you think, do you feel worse today than you did yesterday? I guess that'd be my question. Do do we in Minnesota feel worse knowing that we are the ones that everybody's looking to? You know how like you walk into into like the auditorium or remember when you walk as a kid into the lunchroom and maybe something happened in class or in the hallway and everybody's looking at you? Yeah. And then you got to go get your food and go sit at a table and everybody's kind of giving you that attention? Well, we're going to get extra attention now. Yeah, I think it's just more or less people feel bad for us because now That's not good. I, I we mean, don't want we don't want your your uh your your sympathy your no, sympathy yeah no we we've got our own pity party okay we know how we throw the best pity parties in Minnesota like nobody throws a better sports pity party than we do I, I didn't realize this until I saw it this morning you know it's like oh Rangers win the World Series okay cool you know good good for them first World Series ever you know I I, I kind of like to see fan bases be able to celebrate when they haven't had that chance before. And then there's that, okay, well, yeah, but yeah, guess who's, you know, guess who's next? The Minnesota Vikings. And you're like, oh, but, but I mean, at, at least maybe we can garner more sympathy from like just Joe public that they'll be like, you know what? I'm going to cheer for Minnesota. I'm going to root for Minnesota. Maybe that's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, it, it's not good when you're in that category by yourself. No, no, no. that it, 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 it totally sucks. And it just makes us right now, it makes us look like we are the, what's the best word to describe it? The most inept team in all sports, that we can't win at all. I I don't know if I could say inept. Maybe. It's not unlucky. No, no, it's not unlucky. I wouldn't say inept because they've had – the Vikings have had stretches of really good football. I mean, they're, you know, what are they, top seven or eight in the NFL? But with the players we've had in the history of this franchise, as good as we've been at times, how do you not win one? I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. Because the last time they went to the Super Bowl was 77. I was two. They I were mean, founded in 1960. Yeah, 19, <laughs> yep, 1960. I, I mean, 98. I thought, man, that you know, that was it. Best I offense, thought that was it. Best offense in the history of the NFL. Double digit favorite at home, and and then you you know you you get beat by Atlanta. By the way, the only time I've ever cried after a football game. Two thousand. Oh, you were with the Weeping Blondes. Yes. Yeah. I I was I was part of the Weeping Blondes. Yes. You you know you couldn't. Say, that's such. I wonder if those women like now know that they're a part of history. The the weeping they knew blonde. it. They knew it that night. Yeah, or that it, day when the when the photograph came out. They were. I mean, everybody was talking about them. Yeah, but but I mean, like to to know that you can just say weeping blondes and everybody goes back. It's never going away. Yeah, no, no, no. We're going back. To, when you say weeping blondes, you we know. know that you were alive in 1998. Yeah, yes, and, and you understand. <laughs> it's not like the four non blondes. The, the you know yeah the the weeping blondes. You know, 2009. I felt like that might have been the best chance because I feel like if they would have beaten New Orleans, they had a real shot to beat Indianapolis. I, I mean, we don't know what the status of Brett Favre would have been, but you know that he would have been out there in, in, in some capacity. But I guess to, to get back to it, I, I didn't have a rooting interest in the World Series. Me neither. But now I kind of feel like I should have been rooting for Arizona. Why? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want this distinction. 
Or is this just one more? Because we love to talk about how miserable we are. We love to talk about how how sad we are about our franchise. Maybe this is just one more to add to the, hey, man, we're 0-4 in Super Bowl. You know, we, we haven't. Well, you know who you know who hates us more than anything that Texas Rangers won? The Houston Astros? Yeah, but specifically who? Uh, Ted Cruz. Oh, God, Ted Cruz. That's right, because he jumped on the, the, uh, the Astros, Astros bandwagon. Well, a, no, no, he's an Astros fan. And the Houston Astros fans told him, dude, do not show up for Game 7. Do not show up for Game 7. You are jinx. Every time you show up, we lose. Yeah. Do not show up. Ted Cruz <laughs> showed up at a loss. Ted, Ted Cruz plays by Ted Cruz rules, man. Ted Cruz is going to do what Ted Cruz wants to do. And it cost him. Oh, God. Cost his Astros a World Series. Do, do you think the Vikings win one in our lifetime? I mean, what do we got? 30, 40 years? Do we get a top five quarterback at some point. If we get a top five quarterback in the next decade, I think so. But a top five quarterback, like does a top five quarterback, does it have to be one of the first five drafted? Or are you talking about like draft prospects? Cause those are two different things. No, I'm talking about top five talent at the position. If we have a Joe Burrow esque guy, I feel good about it. I, I don't, I don't know because the Vikings like right now, are doing what the Vikings do. No, hold on. If if the Minnesota Vikings had Patrick Mahomes, you don't think they have a chance of winning a Super Bowl? Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. We don't know if we if you get somebody like that or Joe Burrow or whatever a top five. Yeah, I think we have a shot. But the problem with that for the Vikings is you're you're never going to be bad enough to be able to get into the conversation. You don't know that for one of those conversations. Patrick Mahomes was was, was picked what tenth overall. Yeah, but Kansas City, I mean, they, they moved up. They, they traded but up. But he was still 10. He was, but I. But, but, that's, but that's the point. Like, if, if you're 10, if you're in the first. Lamar Jackson was what, 20 what? Oh, he was the last pick. Yeah. He was the last pick. So, so. The, the, Viking, the Vikings whiffed on that. So, I mean, so a lot of teams did. A lot of teams but, did. But yeah. my point is that if, if, it depends on if they find that guy. If you find that guy, whether it's a. It, I'm not saying you got to draft him in the top five. You got to drop draft them in the top. I'm okay. not even saying you got to okay. draft them in the first round. Okay, I'm saying that's, if you have a top five talent at that position, then we're on to something. Okay. That's my point. I'm not talking about draft position. Okay, see, I thought you were. Ta- I thought you were talking about draft no. position. Okay, okay, yeah, it's you'd love to be able to get into the conversation, but that's that's what you need, right? You need that franchise changing guy. And when's the last time they had that? Dante Culpepper. Dante Culpepper was special. Uh, I mean, before he blew out his Dude, knee, he like, that knee it was. It was over. People need to go back and take a look at that hit. That was a much more devastating hit than anybody acknowledges. Chris yeah. Gamble went low, and that was that was it. That was it. Yeah, that was it. It was the same hit that he put on um, Willis McGahee in the, in the bowl game. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Chris Gamble's the same player. People need to do the research on that. That that's why that's why after he did that to Dante. People say Chris Gamble's a dirty player yeah, because, Miami he's, game, yeah. because he's done that to multiple different players before. He did it to somebody else too. It wasn't just Dante, and it wasn't uh, Maurice Claret. Just, just I mean, not Maurice Claret. Claret. Willis McGahee. Willis McGahee. It just wasn't those two. He did that to somebody else, and everybody was like, "Whoa, this dude is going low, and he's taking people's careers out." Yeah, I for, I forgot about the hit with Willis McGahee. Yeah, I completely I completely forgot yep. about Willis McGahee. Yep. All right, 651-461-9226. You got questions for Matthew Collar, Purple Insider? Shoot them to us on the text line. 
because we got Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. He joins us next year on the show. I love that open. That's pretty dope. I think even Matthew Collar, the Purple Insider himself, who's joining us on the John Schuster Cole with Baker Hotline, you, you got to be impressed with that. You like that. You like that. Well, I mean, I'm also a huge fan of the song. I mean, Ready or Not by the Fugees. I mean, yeah. that's 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 absolute hip hop classic. Love it. Yeah, people should go right now to the uh, to purpleinsider.com. Uh, you've got all kind of articles up there, uh, podcast information. Uh, great job, man! I love the site. This is uh, this is super dope. Uh, let me start before we even get into the Vikings. Um, I went on a rant at the top of the hour. And I know that you're passionate about sports and you support women's sports specifically the same way that I do. Um, Clay Travis, who I'm assuming you're not a fan of, but did you see his <laughs> did, did you did you see his his uh, his offer to the women of the Las Vegas Aces? I, I don't see anything Clay Travis does. Let's put it that way. I'm not a, I'm not a fan, and I typically don't. But it just came across because uh, you know you, when you have the email stuff and you're getting emails from certain places and certain topics come up and all. And I saw that, and I just. Oh, he just I don't I don't use the word hate about a lot of different people. Seriously, they, I have a, a short list, but he legitimately is probably on that short list. This guy is about as sexist of a you know, of a of a host or or you know, whatever whatever he wants to call himself as you're going to find and for him to uh, disrespect world champion, back-to-back world champion women. They're at the height of their sport, at the pinnacle of what they do. For him to do that, man, it, it just oof, bugs me, man. It bothers me. Yeah, so luckily, I don't even know the whole story, but yet somehow I still know the whole story based on who we're talking about. It's yeah. very simple to me, and, and, I, and I really wish that, that people would take this tact. So, you know, early in social media, I used to do the same thing everybody else does, which is I would see a terrible, disingenuous, garbage take by somebody, and I would quote tweet it, and I'd respond to it, and I would say, this, this, look at this idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But then you know what I figured out, Henry? That's get, what he wants. Yeah, that's what, what he, he wants. Does it yep. For. Yep. You know, he, doesn't believe, he doesn't believe any of this stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, there are lots of people in both sports and politics who make noise like this because they know. And Skip Bayless is certainly famous for this. You think Ugh. Skip Bayless doesn't know LeBron James is good at this point? I mean, <laughs> that's, that is mostly, that's mostly harmless. What this guy does is take it to a different level where it is harmful. And uh, on the political side, it could be very harmful. But a lot of these things are just made to get people upset. And I'll give you a much lighter example. Every day on Twitter, I see someone saying that they could get 100 yards in the NFL. And then no one believes that. No one believes that. But here's what they know. They know that 10,000 people are going to be like, you're an idiot, man, or, or, or I agree with this idiot. Like, and, it's, and it just gets a lot of attention, and that's why it's done. It is done for attention. That is it. And if you ignore it, it goes away. That's yeah. the way I look at it. We have been way past this whole thing of uh, men versus women and sports and everything else. Exactly. Women's sports, women's sports could not be better right now, could not be more successful right now, could not be getting more support and be better. And that is the fact. It doesn't matter what this man says. That yep. is the fact. And I, and I imagine that a sexist piece of garbage like him is very upset about that because that's who he is, and yep. that's the only reason he's doing it. He's not trying to actually start a legitimate discussion. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I applaud you, man, 100%. I, I'm with you the entire way. The one thing that I'm not going to do is just ignore it. Um, 
every single time. And the reason why I'm not going to ignore it every single time is because women need to be applauded. We need to, as men, we need to speak up and support our women. And that needs to be verbalized and not just, okay, yeah, I'm sitting here. I know that he's he's a troll. He's this, he's that. Yeah, 90% of the time, I'm not going to say a word. But tonight, I took, I had a few minutes. So, you know, it is what it is. But you're right. You're 100% right. This is who Clay Travis is, and it's all about clicks for him. Um, well, it wasn't about clicks last uh, last weekend. It was out of just genuine concern and, and, and Vikings fans being down when they saw uh, that Kirk Cousins got injured. Uh, look, I get it. Immediately during the game, you don't announce that he's got a torn Achilles. Everybody in the world knew that's what it was. It was confirmed on Monday. Then they make the move for Joshua Dobbs. Did the Joshua Dobbs move surprise you? Because it surprised me a little bit. I, I just didn't think that they were going to um, – trading thing away, and I'm not saying that a, that a six-round pick is something of tremendous value, but I didn't think they were going to trade anything away to try to get R. Uh, a pick swap. So they didn't. Even, they gave it away, but then got a seventh back. Yeah, they so got a seventh it like back, even, yeah. It was even less than giving it away. Um, yeah, so the one thing that has been fascinating to me is how and this is It's very unusual in sports, and I think we should give the Vikings credit for it. Quasi Adafo came out when he first got here and said, look, we're going to competitively rebuild. We're not going to tank, but we're also not going to sacrifice the future to try to go load up on free agents or whatever and screw ourselves into the ground for the future just to try to win right away. And I think all of us went like, okay, what is this thing? What does it mean? What are we talking about here? It seems weird. They have stuck to this as their ethos and their driving force. That is what we are doing, and they have absolutely done it. I mean, from bringing Kirk back this year without a contract extension, which is certainly for competitive now, but flexibility in the future, to the way they handled Josh Dobbs. They could have traded more to get Jacoby Brissett. There was a report out there that Washington got an offer for a sixth-round pick for Brissett and then did not take it. Um, I'm, I'm not reporting that the Vikings made that call, but, I mean – uh, which team traded a sixth-round pick for a backup quarterback, right? So, But if they had offered a fourth, then Washington gives you Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is much better than Josh Dobbs. Absolutely. But they weren't, right, but they were not willing to make the sacrifice of a legitimate draft pick that could have hurt them in the future when they need to potentially make a trade up or add one into an extra trade or something like that. And And, and yet, they got a quarterback who has played before, very, very intelligent guy, which we joked around with him in the locker room today about being a rocket scientist, um, but very intelligent guy, first-class guy who's you know going to come in and do everything he can to help you, but he's also not going to be so good, more likely than not, that you go on a magical Case Keenum run because he's not as good as Case Keenum. So, yeah, I, I think they really split the difference with this type of move, and uh, I guess if you really wanted them to go for it, you're not happy. If you really wanted them to give up nothing, you're not happy. And, and look, competitive rebuild right in the middle. And they're 4-4. Four and four. <laughs> It's just like that's they're trying to split everything kind of right down the middle, and that's what Josh Dobbs was part of as well. Is Josh Dobbs good enough to get you to the postseason? I don't believe so, no. I think there's levels to journeyman type of quarterbacks. I think that a Case Keenum or a Gus Farratt from back in the day can come in, start, win games with a great team. Um, I think that uh, a Teddy Bridgewater, a Andy Dalton, maybe even a Jameis Winston, every, all those guys would be good enough and have the back, you know, have like the starting history to be good enough. 
I think Dobbs is more in the range of like a Josh McCown where it's not going to be terrible, but you probably can't expect him to win a whole lot. And I know Arizona is not a very good team, but his numbers were pretty putrid. I mean, he was like 30th by pro football focus, somewhere in that ballpark, 25th in quarterback rating in the league. Um, And it's not like they have a joke of an offense. Like they've got some receivers. They've got a good offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing. He used to be with the Vikings. And they tried. I mean, they, they did a lot of stuff there, but they really weren't very productive. And, and I know, certainly that's not like having Justin Jefferson. But, uh, you know, I mean, they can win some games. But can they win enough to be in the playoffs where 9-8 and eight still only gives you maybe a coin flip chance to get in? I think that is a very, very big ask from Josh Dobbs, especially when, you know, they're starting Jaron Hall this week. And, and who even knows, like, how fast they can get Dobbs acclimated enough to play. Yeah, we're talking to um, <laughs> I know that is that is a really really good point. We're talking to Matthew Collar from Purple Insider here on the Lake Show. <clears throat> excuse me on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Um, when you look at the Vikings, what is going to be the philosophy now, at least for this week with uh, Jaron Hall? Do you think the philosophy philosophy is, if I could spit my words out, running the football, running the football, and passing if we have to? Do you think that that is the setup? Because we haven't been able to run the ball well this year, on the other hand. I think, I think it's panic. They should just completely <laughs> panic. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I, w- what I saw from Jaron Hall when they used him in, in preseason was it, it actually kind of looked like the old uh, Gary Kubiak offense because they ran a lot of play actions and bootlegs with him because that's really the easiest way to simplify things. I think that even a quick strike offense is tough to pull off when you don't have like a Debo Samuel or some like crazy playmaker, uh, you have more of like route running specialist wide receivers. So I think quick, quick stuff is pretty difficult, especially when the other team is going to be super aggressive. So the best idea is probably to try to run a lot of play action and catch Atlanta blitzing or catch them paying too much attention to the run. It's a, it's a tough thing. I mean, Jaron Hall took a lot of sacks. In the preseason, uh, he, his accuracy was kind of spotty. And, you know, I think that he is as mature of a rookie, and he's a little older as well, that I have ever come across. I mean, he's very calm. He's very in control when he came into the game in Green Bay. And, and everybody commented on that, like the offensive linemen, and you got to earn their belief first uh, before you can run the offense. I think he could get the calls in. I think he could get the ball to open receivers at times. But, yeah, if you don't run the ball well, and this is a good run-stopping defense, it's it's just going to be hard because Kirk Cousins this year has been boomer bust on third down and long, but at least there's a boom element of that. Uh, that you know, against the Packers, a lot of third and longs where he found open receivers and they destroyed Green Bay. If you put a rookie quarterback who's basically never played before in third and twelve it's going to be a lot harder for him than it would be Kirk Cousins, who's probably faced 500 third and 12s in his career, um, and especially the, the blitzes and the different looks and everything else that they're going to throw at him. It's, it's an uphill climb. And, uh, you know, I think Kevin O'Connell, the best he can do is try to just put Jaron Hall in positions where he's comfortable with what he's supposed to do on a given play. So if that is a straight drop back, okay, but it's a concept he understands, he knows how to read And I think that that's where having a former quarterback is really important is that it's not like, Hey, this is my system. You're supposed to do it. And you know, go get them tiger. It's more like what's going to work for you. And let's try to have you as comfortable as possible. And then they have enough, you know, veteran players around them to kind of mold that to Jaron Hall. 
at this particular point in the season, how would you grade or evaluate Brian Flores' defense? Oh, I think Brian Flores gets an A. I mean, the only the only time that, that I was a little bit um, confused was in Philadelphia, but then their explanation actually made sense, that they had game-planned for Marcus Davenport in there uh, to do more of the run-stopping, and then once he went out, it's not like you could just change the game plan, but they didn't have the same players. Um, and they also still confused uh, Jalen Hurts a little bit, but the way that, I mean, Mahomes did not have like a 400-yard game against them and then the way that they've dealt with these bad quarterbacks is that they've made them look very bad um they didn't let you know jordan love have a great game against them they i mean they they made big plays that's the thing is that they've been making big plays returning fumbles for touchdowns getting interceptions in in big spots um finding ways to pressure the quarterback look i mean you know daniel hunter has been a monster and we give brian flores no credit because hunter's always good but he's been better than he was last year uh, under uh, you know under Ed Donatel, and so has everyone, and that's the way I look at it too. Is all of a sudden you see these guys who you're like, ah, I don't know, Cam Bynum, whatever, and now you go, oh, okay, this guy's like emerging as a player. Josh Metellus, he's basically a special teamer last year under Ed Donatel. Now he's balling out each week. He's getting sacks. He's getting interceptions. He's all over the field. He's like a you know this like hybrid dynamic player that Ed Donatel sat on the bench all last season. I think uh, it's been a spectacular job by Brian Flores. It's also an uphill battle to do it over the full season with the roster they have because they still they don't have beasts at every position. They are squeezing every ounce of blood out of the stone. But uh, if they're going to win some games here, they just need to continue to play that the way that they have the last few weeks under Flores. All right, last thing for you, Matthew, and then we'll let you go. What do you make of the Atlanta Falcons, and who do you have winning this game this weekend? Because when I look at the Falcons – I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I do see that Desmond Ritter is 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 getting sat. Uh, they're going uh, with Taylor Heineke. So, what do you make of the Falcons? Yeah, I think that the Falcons do not have a very good head coach, um, and that is where <laughs> the biggest advantage is. I mean, look, look, we've seen this, right? We've seen this a lot of times. A guy just he's maybe more of a coordinator. I don't know. I I think Arthur Smith doesn't know what he's doing. So that's a big edge. I think the Vikings have one of the best coaching staffs in the league. Uh, at the same time, let's go through their roster and look at their talent. They do have a lot of talented players. Uh, they have playmakers on the offensive side. The run defense is really going to be tested. This offensive line is excellent. Why they didn't go after another quarterback in the offseason, I'm at a complete loss. They, they're not a like tanking team. They're not even a rebuilding team. They've been rebuilding for a while. Why they didn't try to they, – they, Henry – they announced on Twitter that they were not going to try to trade for Lamar Jackson. Like, that's how arrogant they were about, like, Desmond Ritter and not – like, can you imagine – Lamar Jackson with the Falcons is undefeated right now, right? Yeah. And, and so I think this team is drafted pretty well. They've, they've stacked up a lot of talent, and they're held back by their coaching and their terrible quarterback decision. But it's a bad timing for the Vikings. You would have much rather faced – Desmond Ritter than Taylor Heineke because Heineke is like a reasonable starter um, so I think it's an uphill battle for uh, especially for Jaron Hall in his first start against a pretty pretty solid defense that's got a good scheme and they really just need to hope that Arthur Smith kind of bungles uh, this against Brian Flores's defense and and makes some mistakes yeah all right uh, I appreciate the time uh, Matthew we will uh, talk to you next week and make sure that you check out his great website purpleinsider.com all right, Matthew. Thanks, Henry. All right, Appreciate it. Yep. All right, that's Matthew Collar. We're late, up against a break. We'll take a break. Come back, wrap up the hour. Next.
you guys know what time it is. It's time to get in the headlines. So without any further ado, let's head to the uh, headlines desk with headline, headlines anchor Christopher Tubbs. All right, thank you very much, H. Lake. If you're thinking about planning a trip this winter to stay in a cozy cabin, you don't have to drive up north. The Four Seasons Hotel Minneapolis is kicking off its celebration of winter with its rooftop Nordic Village experience. Hotel General Manager Florian Rydell says their winter marketplace has a European flair that'll transport guests out of Minneapolis. Rydell says while guests might not sleep in the cabins in the Nordic Village, they'll get the full cabin experience with meal service, sauna shopping, and more. Weekends in November, December, we'll have some of those cabins transformed into a market for holiday shopping. Then at night, the cabins are transformed back into dining rooms. Rydell says he intends to up the ante every year going forward. Just see to uh, wait till you see what we do next year. This is our second year. It's only going to grow as we get better and better. The village is open now through March. Hey, look, I was invited to uh, to that this weekend, so. The only thing is, is I I just won't be able to do it. I won't be able to go and it enjoy like a, it and it partake like a cool in it. Idea. It, it does look really cool. Yeah. I saw some of the pictures. I got the email. They sent me the email and said, "Hey, come on down, check out the preview." I can't do it, man. Nice. I, got some, I got some charity stuff going okay. on. Okay, that's fair. Wait. Hey, I, I'm going to skip to this one because I, I think this just really cool. Brooke Shields is recounting a surreal experience that started with a scary medical episode and soon led to none other than Bradley Cooper holding her hand in the ambulance. Now, she told Glamour in an interview published yesterday that Cooper came to her aid after she suffered a seizure in New York City in September. She said was caused by drinking too much water. Uh, she had been preparing for her show the time of the incident. She said uh, after she walked into the restaurant, my hands dropped to my side and I went headfirst into the wall. She said that he, she was frothing at the mouth mm. and then she was got into an ambulance. And lo and behold, Bradley Cooper was holding my hand. What? Found that. Uh, Turns out that he happened to be near the restaurant. He showed up just in time to accommodate her to the uh, to the hospital. So wait, do we know, do they know each other prior to this? I don't think so. I think he just saw somebody that needed help, and he stepped in and helped her out. He saw Brooke Shields. Oh yeah. If it wasn't Brooke Shields, he probably would have went on by his day. And it's a little bit different when it's Brooke Shields or Beyonce or Jennifer Lopez than you know the average person. But you know that. Yeah, but still. No, good for I him. Mean, I mean, he's an, just saying. he's an Eagles fan, but, I mean, he can still be an okay person. That's pretty cool, though, by Bradley Cooper to just be there for somebody when they go through something serious like that. But, yeah, it is Brooke Shields. I'm just saying, I, I'd do that for Brooke Shields. Oh, you think? I would, too. I'm a nice guy. Coming up next, we've all talked about President Biden's age and the impact of him carrying on his duties in the Oval Office. But there's something happening with Donald Trump that is putting the Don in the crosshairs of this conversation as well. We get to it next.